Thank you so much, Natalie. So uh, in my former life, when I was working in social services, uh, we, I was part of a YMCA, not a traditional YMCA. We didn't even have a gym at all. We were just social services. And uh, they asked me, the YMCA was doing a high school basketball league where we, uh, all the students that didn't make their high school teams, they were getting together and practice and we would uh, compete against one another. I was at a significant disadvantage because we had no gym, all right? So just, so my record was not very strong, all right? But um, we're in this, uh, we're in this league, we're having fun, doing all those kind of things. One of the neat things about this YMCA league is Reebok, said that uh, oftentimes the YMCAs were, were serving economically disadvantaged families. They said, well, we'll give every participant uh, free shoes, gym shoes. So at the beginning, we took down the sizes and everything. So uh, there was one, we had about 12, 13 folks, guys on our team, and one was a, the son of an employee, a fellow employee of our YMCA. This is in the suburbs of Chicago. And that, we'll call him Benjamin. Benjamin was a good player. I don't think he got as much playing time as he was wanting. And about halfway through, he uh, fell off. He stopped coming to practices. We did have a couple of practices um, and stopped coming to games. So at the end of the season, finally the Reebok shoes came out and we distributed to the to the uh, players, and of course they had messed up their sizes, so there's a lot of swapping happening going on. We did have an extra pair of shoes for Benjamin, even though he wasn't a part of things. I got a call from his mom, my fellow employee, and she says, I am upset he did not get the size that he signed up for. And I felt bad, it was true. I said, I, I'll give you, I don't know if my size of foot, no, you're, that's not going to work. And he signed up. And I did feel empathy, and I wish that wasn't true. However, I did say he did drop out halfway through the season. So the shoes were kind of predicated on the idea of engagement, that you would live out the full season of basketball. And I was thinking about how that story relates to the Christian life in this sense. That I believe that part of the testimony of the, the book of Joshua has been that God has great plans for you. He has purposes and promises and blessing and favor for you. That's the Christian life. We get to walk in the promises of God, promises of eternal life and salvation, promises of his presence and power via the Holy Spirit, promises that he knows our need and will, will provide for our needs, promises of favor and blessing, right? We, we saw that in the beginning of Joshua. He said, I have, I have favor and blessing. And yet those blessings also come with responsibility. 
Those blessings come, those promises come with an invitation to live and steward well this life that God invites us to. And I would say that we have a gravitational pull within our soul that we like to talk a lot about God's promises and blessings and not nearly as much about the responsibilities, about the the stewardship, about the obedience, about the, I would say, assignment that God has given. So I want you to, we're going to read an interesting part of Joshua. If you've brought your your Bibles with you, we're going to kind of walk through a whole section of Joshua, starting in Joshua chapter 13. This is the, this is the part for the next several chapters is they have, uh, they have uh, crossed the Jordan River, they have defeated Jericho, and then in the next, uh, the, the chapters 10 and 11 and 12, you've got these kings, these peoples, they were like city-states, and they saw the Israelites coming. They're like, let's band together, let's take them down. They face the Israelites, and the Israelites are winning now with the Lord's help. So they've conquered all the primary challenges in the promised land. They're, they're there, and they're at the moment where they haven't taken over all of the land, But now they're going to divvy up their portion of the promised land. Now, some would suggest that this long section is somewhat dull in terms of application and reading. We're not going to read all the way 13 through 19. We're just going to read sections. I think it's very important that we recognize the story of God. We're going to look at a map. We're going to, we're going to see the portions that are there. But we're going to look for those nuggets along the way in these chapters that say what God might be speaking to you and I. You see, we in the same way don't have a, a, a plot of land that is the promised land. That was New Testament. That was a unique time in the history of God. But what we do have is I, what I would call a promised life. That God is saying, I have these plans and purposes for you. I have these gifts and these blessings that I want you to step into right here, right now, today. But I also have assignment. I have stewardship. I have responsibilities that I'm inviting you to. So as we kind of look over this, I want you to keep in mind two words. Blessing and responsibility. Blessing and responsibility. Would you look at your neighbor and say, blessing and responsibility. Blessing and responsibility. Okay. So in chapter 13, again, they're at this pivotal place where they've conquered the primary uh, military forces in the promised land. And then God says to Joshua in chapter uh, 13, verse 1, when Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. Thanks, God. (laughs) I appreciate that. I haven't heard him say that to me just yet, but I'm getting closer. 
You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. I want you to be mindful that they had not conquered all of the promised land. They, it was still very much some things, areas that they were going to have to move forward in. Now jump to, to verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan. They'd already received these areas, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half and half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had grant, granted the two and a half tribes, their inheritance east of the Jordan, promised land is primarily west of the Jordan, east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites, one of the tribes, an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in with pasture lands for their flocks and herds, so the Israelites divided up the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. All right, a little bit confusing there. We're going to look at our first um, map here. And there are some special circumstances. All right, I have this laser pointer. Let's see if this has any effect. Can you see that? Kind of, yes. We there? Okay, so we've got the Jordan River, and then just to complicate things, there were some of the tribes that said, we don't want to wait. We're a little impatient. We would like land east of the Jordan. By God's grace, he says, okay. So if you don't want to wait, so part of the tribe of Manasseh, and then Gad and Reuben, they are assigned these lands east of the Jordan. But God says you have to cross the river and fight and clear out for your brothers and sisters. And they say, okay. <clears throat> also, another complication is you won't see uh, the Levites up there because they were to be priests and administer the presence and power of God. We're going to talk more about them next week. Okay, And then also, Joseph, uh, you won't see Joseph's name, even though he was one of the uh, uh, clans, the children of Jacob, because um, he uh, so ushered the family and cared for the family that probably that's why Jacob, who would become Israel, says, I'm going to essentially double your portion. And now Manasseh and Ephraim were two sons of Joseph. So technically you have 13 tribes. You remove the Levites from that and you still have 12 again. Okay? Clear as mud? All right, now there's also, not only are they going to assign tribes, but I think there's some interesting antidotes about individuals. And this allotment of land is kind of going to be book-ended by Caleb and Joseph. 
uh, not Joseph, uh, Joshua. And they're both going to be allotted their individual families' lands. And I think that's where some of the nuggets of this land allotment comes out. So first, let's look at Caleb. If you remember, Caleb was one of the older back when they were about to go and conquer the land, they sent out spies. And it was the, the uh, Caleb and Joshua that came back and said, let's do it. The other spies said, they're too big. Let's not do it. Okay? Now, they're standing before Joshua and Eleazar the priest. And look at verse 6. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of, I can't say that name, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. This is Caleb again. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with Fear. The people are too big. We can't take the promised land. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. With Israel moved about the wilderness. Caleb and Joshua lived with them in the wilderness all of those 40 years. Verse 11. Uh, no, he said, while Israel moved about the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Go, Caleb, rock on, right? He's like 85 years old, and he's like, I'm still bringing it, Joshua, right? We have some folks around that age here? Yeah, is that motivational there? Yeah, Marilyn and David Henny still bringing it. Just as vigorous as when I was. Now, just a little bit what he's talking about is when they went out, I told you, and they come back, and Caleb and Joshua, they were the only spies. They're like, come on. With God, yeah, they're big, but with God's help, we can do it. You know what the people said? That faith is dangerous. Stone them. Not in the Colorado sense, in the bad sense, right? Stone them for their faith. That faith is dangerous. And God says, Caleb, hold on just a moment. Well, 40 years. Hold on. Stay in that faith. Stay with that courage and that strength. I think what Caleb does is he illustrates a key kingdom life principle here, and that's this. 
the quality of your stewardship matters. The responsibility that God gives you, how you live out that responsibility, how you steward, think about this, the gifts, the promises, the faith that you bring matters before God. Caleb is this picture of wholehearted devotion. He said, I brought back and I followed my Lord, my God, according to my convictions and wholeheartedly. And the people said, stone him. And God said, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I would say we started this book of Joshua with this invitation where God says, I want to bless you. I'm going to give you responsibility Would you be strong and courageous? Would you trust me? You see, Caleb got it. He understood that God is on the move, that this whole project, you could argue even better than Joshua, he understood that this was a God deal, that God was on the move, that God is a missionary God. He's moving into the promised land. He's orchestrating this. And Caleb said, I see they're big, but I trust God with God's help even now. I'm 85, you give me this land that I've walked on, give me that now, and I, with God's help, I'll bring it. He understood this idea of blessing and responsibility, of favor and stewardship. He understood this idea that in the Christian life, there is assignment, that God is at work in and around us. And he doesn't want you to just experience his blessing. He's inviting you and I to join him in the work that he's doing. Yes? You hearing that? Now, I came across someone, I I think David and Marilyn Henney are beautiful examples of a Caleb faith, strong and faithful, and yet last week we were in this, um, we were in our partner's mission. Uh, 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 I'm losing it now. Partners, we're class, there we go. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just like to know what people do and, and uh, how they keep busy. And so I ask them what keeps you busy during the day. And so Eli and Kate, Eli, you want to come on up here for just a second? I asked Eli if he would share. And so Eli shares his name, Kate shares, and then he shares about his profession, but he goes beyond that. He shared his attitude that he brings into his workplace. And I was like, Eli gets it. Eli, so share a little bit about what you do, and the attitude in which you bring to your job. Thanks, Eric. What a pleasure it is. Good morning. Um, I had no idea that that comment would echo into this, but the fulfillment that God is using through this sermon to say, here's an assignment. So I'm a welder at uh, a trash industry, and what's really cool is a little while back, God said, well, you're a Christian first. You're a Christian who's a welder, not a welder who's a Christian. So when I realized that my workplace was a mission field and I could come in each day 
just full and being filled with the Spirit as we did today, the anointing, you're going to hear things from the Lord. And all of a sudden, I have a, uh, just a quick uh, little assignment I was given. I found something kind of neat in the trash. It was a portrait of two celebrities. And all of a sudden, I said, I'm going to give this to my coworker. This is pretty cool. And the celebrities were? Johnny Cash and Elvis. Johnny Cash and Elvis. So you know there's some God work happening. That was an indication, yes. It was a God thing. And I said, this is cool. And I thought, well, you know, my coworker appreciate it. Well, I looked up the value, and this thing was valuable. And I'm going, oh, I don't know if I want to give it now. But I realized, okay, this is God moving. I could just sense it. And all of a sudden, God anointed the message to give with the item. This particular coworker is hard ground. This guy is not in church. This dude is not in the love of God. And I love him like a brother. And I said, listen, man, I want to give you something. And with this gift, I want you to know that God is trying to reach you. He gave us his son so that we could come to him. And this small token is my appreciation of you as a person. But God appreciates you more than I could even imagine. And I said, I don't know what that means to you, but here you go. And that dude, he did not know what to do about that. Um, and I'm going to let God water that seed, give it increase, but it was this opening to listening to what is God trying to do, and he's going to bring circumstances together, he's going to give you an opportunity, and you just have to be available and steward that opportunity, and it's, it's just made my, my year to be able to share that, so thanks, Eric. Awesome. Thank you, Eli. To give up Johnny Cash and Elvis, you know God is at work in that. But you see, I, I heard that, and I wasn't even thinking about the message, but I'm like, well, Eli gets it. He gets it. Eli's experiencing, yes, the blessing and favor of God with his job, his wife Kate, all of those ways. And yet he recognizes that God is at work. He's moving in his, his welding shop. And so he's actually asking, God, how can I join you in your work? I, I get it. It's my responsibility. This is, I, you've given me gifts, articulation to steward well in his workplace. That's part of the promised life he's asking us to step into and receive blessing and live well into the responsibilities. It reminds me of a parable of Jesus tells about explaining the kingdom. And he talks about talents. He says there's a master and he's going to go away. He brings three servants and he gives five talents to one servant, two talents to one servant, and one talent. He goes away and he comes back. Some of you know this parable well. And to the one he gave one, he essentially says, what have you done with the talent that I gave you? And that servant goes, boy, I was afraid. I buried it. I didn't lose it, but I buried it. And he says, not good. Not good. Well done. To the five and the two, when the master asked them, what did you do with all I gave you? They say, I, I invested it. Five, I got five more. Two, I got two more. And Jesus says, the master says, well done. That's what I'm looking for, what I give you. And I love that our word talent is rooted in that idea. Think for a moment what God has given you. Your talents, your abilities, your creativity, your skills, 
your financial resources, your time, your energy. The kingdom of God is about investing your talents so that God's kingdom might be multiplied and advanced. Amen. Okay. So we see the story of Caleb that's happening there. Now we go to look at chapter 15. Read chapter 15, 1. It says, Now the allotment for the tribe of Judah, according to its clans, extend down to the territory of Edom, the desert of Zin, in the extreme south. Now jump to chapter 16, verse 4. The allotment for Ephraim and Manasseh. All right, so Manasseh and Ephraim, the descendants of Joseph, received their inheritance. Just again, to make sure we go back to that map, Cindy. And so we've got um, the two sons of Joseph that received their East Manasseh, part of that tribe, was on the other side of the Jordan, then Manasseh and Ephraim, Judah. He was the one, again, kind of illustrating this idea of how we steward, how we live our lives. He's the one who saved Joseph uh, from uh, being killed by his brothers. And so this would become the primary tribe of the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah. Okay? Now, um, there's another interesting nugget and story that happens in the midst of Manasseh, that uh, tribe. And there was a family that, um, that the father and mother, they had no sons. And of course, according to ancient custom, they would pass along the inheritance and the land to the sons. Look at, with me at Joshua 17, 3 and 4. It's another great name in here, I struggle to say. Now, Zelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, right? That's in the tribe. Had no sons, but only daughters, who names were, of course, they have to list all the names, Mala and Noah. Did you know there was a female Noah? I wonder if she was teased in school. Hagla. Milka and Tizra, they went to Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leaders, and said, the Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our relatives. So Joshua gave them an inheritance along with the brothers of their fathers according to the Lord's command. So they're referencing a story, something happens in Numbers 27. This was unprecedented to happen. Again, they they had no brothers and they were going to be left out of the inheritance. This is when Moses is leading and he's at the tent of meetings. So these five sisters, think of the courage it would have taken for them to approach Moses Charleston Heston, and the tent of meetings, right? Like the the presence of God is there. They're in this ancient culture that is male-dominated, 
patriarch, right? And they say, they, the five of them approach Moses and the tent of meetings and say, this isn't right. We should get our inheritance, our father's inheritance. You know what Moses says? He says, sorry, you all are women. It just, it is what it is. No, he doesn't say that. He does not say it is what it is. You know what he actually says? I'm paraphrasing here. You know, that's an interesting point. I'm going to go in the tent of meetings and ask God about it. Do you know what God says to Moses? He says, it is what it is. He does not say that to Moses. Look at what he says to Moses. In uh, Numbers 27, 5, three, 5 and 7. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to them, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying, it's right. It's right. It's right. He says, yeah, I know you guys have your cultures and all of that, right? But instead of ancient culture, he chooses justice and what is right. And so these five daughters receive the promised land. And I believe it's illustrating and foreshadowing an important kingdom life principle, and that's this. You guys have heard me say this before. It's Scott's favorite phrase. What is it, Scott? Everybody gets to play. Everybody has a portion of the promised land or the promised life. Yes? That it doesn't matter, male or female, black or white, rich or poor, that, that this is especially in New Testament times. Especially in New Testament times. That that was part of the transition from Old Testament to New Testament is as God filled and empowered the leaders that were mostly male, not all male, but mostly male. He says a time is coming when everybody will be empowered by my spirit. Joel is the classic Old Testament reference that's talking about which I believe these daughters and their story foreshadows our new covenant reality, which is this, Joel 2. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both Men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Imagine the culture in which Joel was speaking. And he was saying, all of those who, have, uh, who are missing out on the, the promised life, the, no, 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 the, the will of God, the purposes of God, is everybody gets to play in the promised land. Now, can we return for just a moment to our two words of blessing and responsibility? I do believe that we talk very much about everybody gets blessing. Everybody gets to experience the presence and power of God. Everybody gets gifts of God. But now, 
weigh that into responsibility. If you are a Christian, you have an assignment. I don't know what it is necessarily. I don't know what your assignment is. But you have an assignment. It doesn't matter. You can't come up with excuses. You know, I'm just not the right person for that. You know, I don't have those. No, no, no. Part of walking with the Lord is that you're engaging in the kingdom work. He doesn't want anyone to sit in the stands. He's gifting uniquely and differently men and women for those gifts. And he invites us to use those gifts. If you are not using your gifts for the advancement of the kingdom, you're letting go of that responsibility that God has given you. If you don't know your gifts, well, we'll help you find them together, right? The, the picture of promised land is living your gifts out in every area of your life. We just had this past Monday, we had um, volunteer appreciation dinner. And really, for a church our size to have over 80 people volunteering, it was just a beautiful thing. And um, and, and so we like to celebrate just in the spirit is that we're all gifted, we're all called, we're all inviting you to serve. Now, we generally have a theme of our volunteer nights, and we had the theme of the Olympics. So we had all sorts of uh, countries that were competing. I think the, the Russian table was doping a bit, so to <laughs> take advantage of that. Um, but then we had uh, synchronized swimming. Well, it was synchronized dancing. So at every table that was dancing, and there was a tie. And you know what you do when you have a tie in a dancing competition. You have a dance-off, of course. So we have a video of, if I can still... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, no, that's... Do we have that video, Cindy? And I'd like to speak over the video if we can see it. There we go. Now, I just want you to note, so there's Lauren and Laura on the side. Lauren, oh, there's... Look at there's Daniel. There's Pete. Lauren has the centerpiece on her head. She left that in, in there. Now, look at... Daniel and then Ryan. Ryan's back there doing an Irish jig right there. Can you see in the mask? Yes. Now look at Alan right next to Natalie right now. I'm not sure what he's doing. It's some kind of a barbarian. Is that impressive? Yes. Why did I show that video? I, I forgot now. I just wanted to show the video because it's just... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So here's the reason. All of those folks, Lauren, Ryan, Alan, Daniel, they're all uniquely gifted. They're all on assignment. 
Like, like Eli in his workplace, right? Like you in your workplace on assignment. Like here in the church, you and I are uniquely gifted to live out his kingdom purposes through the local church and in this city. Yes? All right. One more primary area I want us to talk about in terms of responsibility. Look at Joshua 17. Um, 17, the verse 17. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Again, this idea that they hadn't taken all the parts. Now, there were seven tribes remaining. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh. That would be the religious center, probably the first location of the tabernacle, the presence of God in the uh, promised land for 300 years, set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but they were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take the possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, have given you? And then we look at the allotment Remember that question, how long, right? Joshua 18, 11, we see the first lot came up for the tribe. So they do a survey and then they do lots. There's a, a chance, to, a, a plot of land and a tribe, the seven remaining, and they would choose asking the Lord to guide and direct their selection. So the first lot came to the tribe of Benjamin according to its clan. If you flip over to, to Joshua 19.1, you see that it says the second lot came out for the tribe of Simeon, according to its clan. The third, look at 19.10, the third lot came for Zebulun, according to its clan. So let's just point out there, go back to the map. Cindy, you've got Benjamin there, you've got Simeon, and you've got Zebulun, where are they here? There's Zebulun and Simeon right there in the midst of that. All right, we'll continue. Go ahead and leave that map up. So look at 19, seven, uh, yeah, 1917. It says, um, the fourth lot came up for Issachar, according to its clans. Locate Issachar up there. Look at the 20, verse 24, the fifth lot came to the tribe of Asher, right? Verse 32, the sixth lot came up for Naphtali, according to its clan. The seventh lot came up for the tribe of Dan. You can see them all listed there. And I wanted to, again, it ends, it's got all of the tribes have been assigned there, and we started with Caleb and now end with Joshua. Look at Joshua 19, 
49, it says, When they had finished dividing the land into its allotted portions, the Israelites gave Joshua, son of Nun, an inheritance among them as the Lord was commanded. They gave him the town he asked for Timnath, Sirah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he built up the town and settled there. These are the territories that Eleazar the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel assigned by Lot at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and they finished dividing the land. Say so this illustrates a, a principle that's important, our final principle, kingdom life principle, that within the kingdom of God, did you know that there is no retirement? There's just a change in assignment, right? Roxanne, Paul Riley, you guys just retired. But remember, it was from your jobs. In the kingdom of God, there's no retirement. We don't, we don't sit back on our laurels and be like, hey, I, I gave now that other pit. No. Right? That there is until Christ returns. There's this, this kingdom theology principle, principle, which is so important. It's called this idea of already but not yet. That the kingdom of God has come, is spilling over in our relationships, in our workplaces, right? But until Christ returns again, the, the kingdom of God will not be fully consummated. And so we live, whether it's at our job, whether it's at our church, whether it's in our city or neighborhood, we live in this tension that God's kingdom is still coming. Notice Joshua, right? Joshua had led the nation. He's an old guy now, God told him. And yet it says, Joshua 19.50, they gave him the town he asked for, and what does he do? And he built up the town and settled there. He just shifted assignments in that. This idea of coming. And I, and I want to talk about one last primary area. We talked about career, the kingdom of God coming at your workplace. We talked about the church, the kingdom of God, and you using your gifts. But really what is so important to us as a church is this idea that we've been planted in a particular neighborhood. To love our neighbors. It's the, 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 the second part of the greatest commandment, right? Love God with everything you've got and... And we wondered, what if we... What if we took that seriously? What if, what if God chose us to live where we live right now? What, what if we, like Joshua, wanted to build our city or build the kingdom of God in our neighborhood? That's why we put a map, our own map, not of ancient Israel, but in the atrium. What if people got it, the, the Caleb's got it, the, the Joshua's 
got it. The Eli's got it. What if we got it for our neighborhood that, that maybe, yes, our houses are given to enjoy the blessing and favor of God. Amen. And yet, what's our other word? Responsibility. Stewardship. To, to think that, that God has placed us in our neighborhoods hoping that we are what Eli's doing at his work, that we would be doing in our neighborhoods, that, that we would be praying and going, Lord, if there's a neighbor that I haven't met yet that is far from you, would you, would you bring me to that neighbor? Or to, to see someone, you know, uh, in the wintertime shoveling their driveway or to, to see someone that, that's working with the kids and, and taking that moment rather than just being wrapped up in our own stuff, we take the moment to say, hey, and introduce yourself. Can you imagine if we were a church of people that got it in every area of our lives in our workplace, in our relationships and families, in our church, local church and city, and in our neighborhood, if we were to step into this promised life, receiving, yes, and enjoying God's blessing, and yet knowing that God is at work in my neighbor's life, God's at work in my co-worker's life. God's at work in my, my friends and families that I love. That he is asking me to step in and steward well all the talents and gifts and join him as he advances the kingdom that is coming in ever-increasing measure. How amazing would that be if we were a community of faith filled with people living that kind of kingdom call. Would you pray with me? Would you just take a moment just between you and the Lord? What's that message that he's saying to you. It might be nothing that I said. Maybe it's something else. He just chose to connect it with something else. Is there an area of your life that you've been receiving the blessing and walking in the blessing and not stepping into responsibility and stewardship? Just between you and the Lord, would you let him speak afresh to you?